What's up, people? This is another episode of The Hustle. This time we've got football up for you. And lots happening as usual. We're at the peak of the European season right now. And uh, most of the league shaping up to be pretty interesting. The Spanish league looks all but wrapped up. But at this stage of the season, uh, what's interesting about it? Uh, if you look at um, world football right now, the most exciting leagues probably have to be the Serie A, La Liga uh, and the Premier League. Uh, these three are particularly standing out and the players from them have been like under major scrutiny in the January market. So speaking of January market, there have been some interesting uh, signings that different clubs have made uh, with the marquee signing from Man United or uh, signing Alexis Ch- Sanchez. Where do you think he's going to fit into the system of Mourinho and do you think uh, he's be- going to be best utilised in the right or a more free role uh, across the front four? So, I, I don't see him being played as the second striker only because I think Mourinho is a little reluctant to do that. He wants, and I think he needs Romelu Lukaku to try and uh, have that space for himself in that box rather than try to play off or with Alexis Sanchez in there considering his one-touch skills are, um, you know, not not the best. So I I think... The one issue that United have needed to address over the last few years, especially the season where they're playing so many balls from out wide, so much of their creative play is dependent on the wide play. And with the left, I think they have that sorted with, you know, Martial and Rashford coming in. But on the right, that's the problem. And that's why Mkhitaryan probably didn't fit in. He just wasn't effective enough. You know, he didn't seem to be effective enough. Uh, on the right in Mourinho's counter-attacking, on, on those counter-attacks, at least. What Sanchez gives you is that injection of not just pace, but that ability to beat defenders, to be able to create that space to allow better passes from out wide. Because from the right, at least I think the delivery, um, you know, or chances coming in from the right into the box this season have been just mediocre in general. I see Sanchez... In that side, not just for his finishing ability, but I feel like a playmaker on the a, a winger slash playmaker was exactly what United needed right now. And I know I would have in other circumstances if there was a lot of money involved, I would have said nah, probably. But I think the fact that it 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 wasn't working out with McTarin for a lot of reasons and. The fact that it was a straight swap and no money was involved at all, and you're getting one of Easily the a, a top ten Premier League player for sure. Um, I think any United fan will take that. So, um, I think the more interesting question is uh, is where Mkhitaryan fits in at Arsenal, and you know we're still not sure if Aubameyang comes in there or not because I think that will affect how Mkhitaryan fits into that system as well, whether he plays out wider in the hole. But I think that's a more intriguing question of how. Uh, Mkhitaryan, you know, kind of settles in with that Arsenal squad that's under a lot of pressure right now. Uh, I think what you're saying, like, relatively does make sense and Sanchez will be eased into the fold. Um, And given he already possesses the experience and he's shown at the highest level that he can succeed, uh, it's a matter of time before Mourinho is really being... 
it's a matter of time before Sanchez is employed uh, in a way which Mourinho would like to play in Champions League. So it's going to be interesting to see. But like coming back to United and their signings, um, I, I was going through a couple of prospects, uh, you know, at a defensive midfield position because of Michael Carrick's retirement at the end of the season. Right? I think the United really need to be able to solve the problems there and get like a very good box-to-box midfielder. So right now, um, there is someone called Milinkovic Savic in Lazio and he's an extremely... Uh, exciting attacking prospect he's a box-to-box midfielder uh, and he possesses a lot of skills he's very good in the air he's physically good Uh, he can take a shot from a distance he can create for himself and if he's paired up alongside Paul Pogba uh, I think that will really bring out the best of him Uh, because as you know when he was in his UV days he had an Arturo Vidal to you know play the box-to-box role and probably with that uh, and with the Sanchez, I think United would have a really good squad and probably they could challenge for the Champions League. But this position is relatively open, so I guess uh, you know there may, may be others in the market. Anyone of specific significance on your mind? I, I don't think for now. I think a midfielder is always going to be on the radar long term. But that's happening in the summer. The replacement to Michael Carrick is definitely coming uh, in the summer and it, it, it will be someone world-class. But I think Mourinho, I get the feeling Mourinho is done with his January spending, but a quick word on, on Chelsea Football Club, because we're at, we're at a precarious time in the season where, oh no, we're heading into the crunch time, at least of the season, you know, Champions League fixtures, a huge Champions League fixture for Chelsea. Uh, they're not being, they're having massive issues in front of goal, you know, and clearly that's that's evident. Consistency is becoming a problem as well. Conte is, you know, is, is seemed to getting seemed to be getting tactically beaten far more often than he did last season. And after all of that, it's clear that Chelsea wanted someone this January, right? They've been linked with a lot of people. The problem is those players and their profiles are just so unlike Chelsea Football Club, you know, whether it's Andy Carroll, Peter Crouch, uh, you know, Edin Dzeko now, who apparently it, it's almost a done deal, but... My theory is Abramovich is just broke, but it's not looking very, very good for Chelsea going into the last few months uh, of the season. Do you think they need to change anything? I think Chelsea are in a position in which they can't change much. Uh, yeah, as you said, those strikers they link with, they're probably just gonna get like one of those strikers and play them off the bench uh, as more of a squad player as more than anything else. But uh, get, coming back to the point of them lacking consistency, uh, I think this is because of you know many ins and outs in the team. Hazard has been a constant, and obviously Hazard has been their best player. But apart from that, I think Willian has done a very good role whenever he's been in the team, and he's not played enough Premier League minutes if you look at it. Uh, and you know Morata has been pushed into these games uh, with without that experience. And even though he grabbed a couple of goals in the starting of you know the season, uh, he sort of slowed down. And teams are able to you, figure him out and defend against him. So yeah, Chelsea do have a lot of problems to solve. Conte really needs to sit down with the board and decide whether or not they really want to splash for that player that they really need in midfield or not. Like otherwise, things are not really going to go well. F- from this position at least because we know that Conte may be on the move this summer and Chelsea really need to be able to capitalize on their position right now given that like the fixture list is just 
insane. Like through the Champions League period, they probably have like the most difficult fixtures among any top five European club. Uh, so they have a very daunting task ahead of them. For they sure, have big two months ahead for uh, Chelsea and Arsenal. I think Arsenal in a similar similar position now. I think after this sale, there's a lot of lot of pressure to get them. Uh, in order to get to, in order for them to get it right, so we'll see there what happens. With with respect to the Spanish league, it's as good as done right now. So do Real now focus entirely on that PSG fixture because it it does seem like they have a better chance now. Mbappe is out for I think a good two months, two months plus. But do Real, you know, even try right now and catch up with Barca and the league or do they just focus on the other competitions they've just been dumped out by the way of the domestic competition by Leganes as well it's is Zidane's job on the line I think there are real crisis over Real and like you know the situation around Zidane uh, it's very it's, it's very still, possible the defending champions keep that in mind it's very possible that they would stick with him for the remainder of the season but yes uh, they will have to focus their energy only on the champions league fixture and only on that game and zidane really needs to sit down and chalk out a plan in which his players will outclass and outlast psg tactically uh, on that day which is definitely going to pro- like secure their progression if that happens like he's definitely going to save his job for sure, uh, irrespective of how bad their results have fared this season. Because like sometimes you know like the momentum runs down, but despite that, uh, it's always best to stick with the specific manager. I know Real haven't had a tendency of doing that in the past, but it's something that they should try adhering to in this instance because of the benefits that they're going to get in the longer term. Yeah, I mean it's. It's interesting because at the end of the day, we still have to note that they are the champions. I think with Bale, they're having they're having an issue, okay, because you know they're not being able to count on him. Cristiano Ronaldo's been on and off. I feel like when Ronaldo is bad, it looks pretty bad because you know he has fluffed some big chances, uncharacteristic ones where normally you know he would finish. He's not been as deadly with his head or aerially. You know, this season and it just, it, the goals are drying up. It's very, very clear. You know, we thought with all the pieces that are around, you know, when you have the best midfielder in the world in Modric, you know, you think that the team isn't entirely dependent on Ronaldo. But I think when it comes to the goals aspect of it, they have. And, you know, you can see that it is a major difference, you know, in, in the way they were scoring, in the manner in which they were scoring goals and how hard they had to work to score their goals. I think defensively, they're still fine. You know, I think that they've looked pretty okay. But, you know, they've been wasteful in front of goal. You can see that they're feeling the pressure and they're making mistakes that they just wouldn't have made, uh, you know, last season. And Barcelona have gotten better. Credit to Ernesto Valverde. You know, they've picked up, they've built, they've capitalized on the momentum that they took after the Clasico and... You know, we talk about City running away with the Premier League. I think the Spanish League is all, you know, is is all but done right now. Barcelona are taking it uh, this year, you know, for sure. The Italian League, Serie A, is, is right now interesting. Juventus have made up the gap or made up the points that they lost early in the season. They're still in second. They're still chasing Napoli. But it my, my issue with them is they've looked unconvincing. And, you know, even in their wins, they're grinding out one-nils, they're 
you know, their defense has struggled. It almost seems like Bonucci's departure had an effect. But, um, you know, you think you think this is a temporary thing where they just started off slower than most seasons and they're going to, you know, they're going to take it this year? Or do you think this year might just be Napoli's year? Yeah, I understand what you were saying in terms of why they were, you know, just like grinding through games. But I think it's a thing that happens in phases with this UVA team. Uh, they, they don't lack the talent uh, and they will definitely sh- turn it up in the big stage against Spurs. So that's rest assured that's going to happen. Uh, it's a matter of from now to then whether or not they're able to muster up that momentum and you know close down Napoli in the process which gives them like you know the slight edge over Spurs because Spurs domestically like really don't care anymore obviously they're like still in a position where they can challenge for the top four but that that basically is their priority right now so it'll be interesting to see because it's going to be a tactically a different battle against the Spurs team who are very open and who are very attacking uh, so you really do have to sort their defense out if they have their problems right now definitely and final thoughts uh, I, I personally believe that most of most of the big transfers are done I think with with a little, with a little under a week to go for the transfer, for the transfer window to shut, I think it's pretty much done. Uh, outside chance of Arsenal getting Aubameyang, I think there are problems, there are major complications in the deal and with Aubameyang and what's happening at Dortmund, which is why I think he'll only go in the summer. Jeko uh, to Chelsea seems more likely, but besides that, I really don't see any big deals happening. Uh, you said that you expect a few more big deals to come in through over the next one week, uh, you know, what do you see possibly happening? Um, I think City are linked with Lapoarte. Um, you know, he's uh, in for like a 57 million or so. Uh, so they need a backup basically for, you know, John Stones and Otamendi, given that company and Mangala have been in and out. So that's probably why they've decided to splash that cash. Uh, apart from that, I don't think so. Like, you know, um, the mid-table teams are splashing the cash. Uh, the likes of Palace uh, have got. Palace has gotten a new defender, Polish international defender. Um, Everett, like Burnley, have made a move, two smart moves by getting Enkudu and uh, Aaron Lennon. Um, Everton have gotten Tosun and Walcott. So a lot of these mid-table teams are looking to capitalize their position and like over the next couple of day, games, uh, really, uh, you know, build a gap. Because right now, it's not very close. Like from The gap between uh, 10th place and 20th place uh, is still pretty close. So teams are looking to really get out of that zone. And, you know, you see these managerial scares. Which is interesting because Watford recently uh, just removed Marco Silva. And that was very appalling considering the results that he achieved in the starting of the season. In fact, you and I spoke about this Watford side and we were very impressed about it. Um, what do you think? Like, is, was it the wrong move in hindsight? No, it's just simple. In my in my eyes, I think this world has gone mad. I think we're all so, you know, we adhere to these knee-jerk, you know, kind of way of thinking when it comes to players, when it comes to managers. And I, I think it's just crazy. I, I get that we're all getting more results-oriented. But, you know, I, I think especially with managers, when you know that they have a certain ability and you've seen, you know, that ability for them to get the best out of their players, to fit into a particular system, to be able to do that week in and week out, you know, to be able to challenge some of the bigger sides, the ones with obviously better players and better quality. I think you, you know, you 
you you'd be stupid not to take your chances uh, on those kind of managers you know or try and trust a process at least with those kind of managers it's it it's disappointing but i think watford are a strange club they've done this before they did this with you know with sanchez flores as well and i honestly don't get it but and and for them to blame everton for this with i thought was even stupider to be in my eyes because marco silva doesn't seem like that kind of guy but you know what like we clearly don't know what goes on behind the scenes all i can say is uh you know they're just becoming so dependent on these knee jerk reactions it's just it's crazy and there's nothing you know there's no other word that you can possibly put across to define it anyways it's been a really fun episode you know discussing football with you is always very very interesting we love basketball up in our next episode stay tuned guys this is the hustle